0: Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for the races of Saturday, July 29th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the little house on the east side in the kitchen. I'm not out in in the studio. There are people sleeping out there. It's Saratoga. It happens. Um, But yeah, so we're in a little bit of a different, more makeshift setup, but uh, there's whiskey in the background, so I think it's probably okay. Very excited for this weekend of racing both uh, north of the border in Woodbine, which we'll get to talking about later, out west at Del Mar. But we start in Saratoga, and we have a first-time guest, which is always very exciting. You probably uh, know him if you're uh, in the racing Twitter world, as I did, from the great stuff he posts over at at failed to menace, another one of those great uh, Twitter handles. And this summer, he is a content producer for our friends at Naira and America's Day at the races, doing all kinds of good work over there. He is Matthew DeSantis. Matt, what's going on, my man? it's great to be here great to join you and
1: excited to talk about this amazing sequence and yeah when naira Bet said uh, are you willing to move up to saratoga for the summer i said don't twist my arm too much I'll, I'll be happy to do that
0: let's do the quick plug for some of the other stuff you've got going in some of the other places that people will know you first and then we'll talk about this pick six and then maybe even get in a word on the other breeders cup winning your in race this weekend uh, the king george over at ask it
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, so people can obviously find all my content on Twitter at Fail the minutes, but we have a lot going on at Nyra Betts If you go to uh a lot of handicapping articles, videos, a uh, lot of analysis of the different races, pick five sequences, pick six sequences, uh, but also helping younger players out who maybe just want to get to know how to play a daily double and a pick three, something that's maybe not too overwhelming uh, for first time better. So really trying to approach this from a standpoint of how do we create content for betters and future betters to get them into the game and then to help them have winning experiences and grow them in the game uh, because we all love it so much and it's great to see new people get attracted to the sport
0: a mission we have deep sympathy with to say the least over here at uh, in the money so this pick six sequence starts off with race number seven a very hot looking two-year-old maiden race I love the distance six and a half. These seem like horses who aren't just going to be precocious, but maybe some that we're going to be hearing from in the future. We'll probably dive deep into this one on our our baby talk show. that will be coming out this weekend as well. But in terms of this pick six, how do you want to light this candle, my friend?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's important to just touch on the fact that we obviously have Mage's full brother uh, to kick things off and uh, door knock for uh, Danny Gargan with Louis size aboard horse threw out a 46 and two bullet gatework work uh, right before the race so this horse means serious business um, and is the two to one morning line favorite but I do think the number nine horse global perspective for Chad Brown is really interesting if you like pedigrees has produced three first out winners Uh, and the horse that did not win first time out went on to be a four-time winner in her own right so uh, a lot of success there Uh, and so those are the two that i really zeroed in on in this particular race
0: i get it both on my radar i put dornick on top and I want to use your your nine runner. You know that longtime listeners though, that's an angle I love looking into the dam's produce and seeing how precocious they were. But I thought it was worth giving a shout also to the number eight, Lambo. This is an angle I also talk about all the time. Bet hard on debut and didn't break particularly well. Very often that bet hard, that's a proxy for having early speed. I think Lambo can do a lot better with a cleaner get out of there and will like this extra ground. Not quite sure what the uh Uh, bore out was in the lane last time that's not great but with that race under the girth maybe we do better it's a lot using three in a spot like this to get things kicked off but I think that's how I'm going to play it four eight and nine nine and four for Matt as we move on to grade one action on this Saturday card Uh, major Breeders' Cup sprint uh, stuff going on we saw Echo Zulu run a hole in the wind the other day interesting to see if she goes sprint or Philly and Mare sprint. Eventually, it might have to do with what one of the runners in this race, Gunite, does. Of course, we also have the defending champ, Elite Power, back in this spot. For me, I mean, this is also pretty reductive, but I just was going to try to lock it up with those two. But if pressed for a top pick, I would pick Gunite, I think. Has the potential tactical advantage. And as a four year old, too, late in the four year old season, maybe just a little bit more of a progressive profile than Elite Power. Might be twice the price. I know, obviously, Elite Power has them on the form book from uh, the, the, the overseas run. But, you know, in reality, I'm probably going to look to use both of these where I can. But I also might, from a value point of view, look to press Gunite a little bit. Matt, is it all about these two for you? Do you have preference? Do you have anything clever?
1: but i uh i have some clever things later on but this one i'm not going to try to get too fancy i like gunite as well that's my top pick and actually that's going to be my single in this particular sequence i just you know i think you have to find ways of you know finding singles and I, i had a really hard time finding singles in some of the other legs here so this is one where listen gunite's best when you look at a buyer speed figure standpoint is simply better than elite power's best and they just, you know, they matched up before. Obviously, Elite Power's gotten the better of Gunite twice, but that last timeout for Gunite was very, very impressive. And then you saw uh, the horse that came in second, Bango, come back and win next time out as well. Uh, I think Steve asmussen has got this one ready to roll for Saratoga. I think he's going to have a big, big Saratoga meet, and I think Echo Zulu is just the precursor to a lot of other big things for him.
0: I can totally see that. And in truth, construction-wise, that is the wiser way to do it, I would say. But I just, I, I think... I have enough long shots later. I can't help but have some things go along. You know, a lot of times I – there's a difference between playing a bet for to, to maximize the expected value, which I would describe more of what you're doing here, frankly, and me who will sometimes play these bets on a Saturday as a tournament and because they're fun. And I'm not looking yeah. to get the worst of it spreading, you know, crazy everywhere – but in a spot like this, I, I will sometimes describe myself as not being a hero and trying to just lock it up and move on. And we will move on to race number nine, where we've got this three-year-old allowance race for fillies and mares. We're going a mile on the inner. Matt, we'll keep it with
2: you.
1: Yeah. So I really like my top pick in this one is actually, uh, the number 11 horse spongy, uh, nine to two for Bill Mott. I really like this horse a lot. Uh, I like the name too. I think it's a little, yeah. <laughs> you know, fun name to say, but, um, You know, one of the things that I've noticed with the way the Saratoga Turf Course is playing is you really want to have horses that are forward uh, on the turf, and you really want to make sure that you find these horses that have these kind of nice uh, stalking trips. You don't really want deep closers on this course. And Spongy's got nice early speed. I think you know we'll be able to cross and clear a lot of horses from that 11 post, and and get out there and sit that kind of nice you know, stalking, tracking type of a trip uh, and then be able to launch for home late. Uh, and this is one coming out of some, you know, that last state-restricted stakes race, Ticonderoga, uh, that was on the turf. From that 90 speed figures, well uh, good enough to win uh, in this sort of a spot. Um, I will also be including the five expand the map for Chad Brown as well as the six diamond hands, Uh, For Todd Pletcher. So I'll go three deep in this particular one. Listen, those are two very serious trainers with very serious, uh, you know, intentions and horses in this spot. Both of them have really demonstrated a lot of ability. I, I, you know, the reason Spongy is my top choice is quite frankly, he's found the winner's circle more times uh, than those two who seem to like to finish second a lot, but are super talented.
0: That was my concern with both the five and the six was the, the nibbly aspect. I'm not going to say hang. We won't use the eight <laughs> word, but we'll say the, the the nibbly aspect of them. I was absolutely with you on spongy. I had as my top pick. And yes, excellent name for one uh, by hard spun out of Scroogey spongy. And this is a pedigree cross I've gone on about. I love the Danzig blood via uh, hard spun cross with the smart strike blood. I mean, that just get, that, that gets the pedigree pedigree in me very, very much uh, to, to the party. But I made my top pick number 10, get your kicks. And this was one just based on how fast she was back in April at at Gulfstream, just trying to project some improvement for her late in a three-year-old year year. For, for Chad Brown, also whose horses often don't perform that well compared to how they perform elsewhere at at Gulfstream. I thought that was a very notable run, just totally forgiving the May 13th run for the fact that it preceded a layoff. I just thought she had the scope to improve and get a forward trip. And I think you're right. I think even though it's not the easiest post in the world, Spongy should be able to trip out in here. Okay. So definitely want to keep her on side in this spot. The third number for me was going to be new Guinea. Now, granted, The uh, seven furlong big run last time, that was earned with with a setup. But I thought there was an opportunity, you know, depending on how things shake out in this race, that there could be a setup again. And if it does play into the hands of a closer, which again, not my preferred way of playing these races. But if it does go that way, I don't hate the idea of having that nine runner New Guinea at least as a backup in this spot to my 10 and 11. So the 11, the common number between us there, 10, 11 for me with nine on the beeline. Matt looking to get through 11, five and six in race number nine. Race 10's the Jim Dandy. There's just five horses, but that doesn't mean it's not still kind of an interesting race. I guess the question, and I'll pose it to you, Matthew DeSantis, what do you do with Forte?
3: It's, it's
1: tough. I mean I don't have as much confidence in him being a single in this particular spot. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know that was where I was gonna go with Gunite because I didn't have a strong feeling. listen, he looked he outran my expectations in the Belmont. I was concerned about the violence pedigree. I was concerned about the 10 month a week layoff. I, was, I just did not think he was going to run as big as he did, and for him to run that well off that layoff and all of the drama obviously surrounding him leading up to that race with the scratch of the Kentucky Derby, I thought was incredibly impressive. Um, but I, this is a tough field. I mean, Saudi Crown, who was a late entry, is really legitimate speed and, and is a very serious horse for Brad Cox, uh, stretching out for the first time. Interestingly enough, I, I went back and looked. We've had a lot of five- and four-horse fields recently in the Jim Dandy. Nobody's gone gate-to-wire in those smaller fields, Uh, and nobody's gone gate-to-wire since Leobon did it back in 2016. So it's not the most common trip to have, I actually really like the other Steve Asmus, or the other, the only Steve Asmosin horse in this race, uh, and that's disarm. I think this is a horse that's just going to, it's like his dad. He's just going to keep getting better and better and better. Um, and I'll be honest, there's some call for rain in the forecast on Saturday, and we saw what he did over a sloppy sealed track uh, down at the Matt Wynn uh, last time out. So I'm going to probably use Forte a little bit defensively here, but I'm going to go one, two in this particular leg with disarm and Forte as my top two
0: selections i'm with you on disarm i'm going to try to make my stand in this race simply by trying to beat forte and i might be wrong here um but this is a horse you know in speed figure terms i mean i know he's got the class but i wonder if this where he gets caught out for the fact that I'm, i'm not quite sure how fast he is and yes he did he did have a lot going against him and he did get a good result in the belmont but he also just never like looked comfortable to me and adding the blinkers in a spot like this i just i don't know how he's going to react with a quality speed like saudi crown in there i'm going to try to beat him he may kick sand in my face and that's okay but this is where i will uh try to to try to get a little bit of separation i was going to press saudi crown that's a very good point about how even with short fields we haven't seen a ton a parade as it were of loose leaders in this spot but i mean as well as the cox barn is going with the advantage he has on paper now forte will show more speed with those blinkers but i also don't think they exactly want to get hooked up in in any kind of duel i think saudi crown could still get loose I'm still sort of looking for these progressive three-year-olds to step up in these spots like we saw with Go Rocket Ride last weekend in the Haskell. He was going to be my A. I was going to use both Angel of Empire and Disarm as B's. And I was going to go on with life as we uh, proceed from this year's Jim Dandy, which will hopefully be a terrific renewal that'll send us a few more horses for the Travers, because that is shaping up to be one heck of a horse race. And if we can get some good performances in here, we could really bolster that field at the end of the summer. Let's talk about race number 11. We've got three-year-old and up New York bred fillies and mares going five and a half on the turf. Matt, I will throw the ball back in your court. Who do you like here?
1: Yeah, so there's a few different horses I like. I mean, I, I will say if this race does for some reason get taken off the turf, obviously the number uh, 12 Sandy's Garden looks very, uh, you know, well-intended to be on the dirt. Uh, if they run on that surface. So that's one just to put an asterisk next to, depending on the surface switch. Um, but in terms of how I'm going to be playing this, I really like a long shot here. I really like the number six, Saratoga Chrome, uh, quite a bit for Jeff Hiles. This is a horse that's second back from a seven month layoff and is getting the blinkers added. And I think that's a perfect sort of setup here. I talked about the way this turf course plays. I think this horse can, you know, sit a little bit more before a trip. Last time out was just so hopelessly behind and I just didn't really show a lot of interest but again that was the first time back and uh Jeff Isles has put this horse through you know a series of works to get this horse better conditioned and ready I think for this time out so I'll be including that horse I also like the number seven carry quite a bit mainly because it's named after my dog uh but also uh I, I do actually like this Joe Sharp horse quite a bit as well should be sitting again very forwardly placed on this trip uh and you know, wasn't able to get the job done stretching out. They go back to sprinting, which is what this horse does best. I think, you know, this is a a horse that was in a stakes race, you know, multiple stakes races earlier in his career. So I think this is one to consider at six to one. And then I'll also include the number nine act of Congress for Bruce Levine. Uh, and that's one, again, a lot of speed. Uh, it, it, you know, if I sound like a broken record, it's because I am. You really want to be forwardly placed on this turf course. And so that's why I identified those three.
0: I get it. and And I think they're, they all, should get good trips and I can't argue against um, we're together with having active Congress in the mix, a little oppo with the other picks, but it's that kind of race. I mean, I, I, I get everything you're saying. I went, I try to get a little bit of a price on top though. The morning line, uh, David Aragona um, uh, di- di- didn't, uh, di- didn't think this one was going to be any, any kind of a real long shot. He has fancy pants, Juliana at five to one. And he's very good at that game. I was trying to be a little bit clever with her um, not just because my friend Juliana will be coming up here soon to Saratoga and she is uh, has great fashion sense. This was one back on the best surface to me Third time off the layoff, and I was hoping might get a little lost in the wagering. We'll see. It's a competitive betting heat that, as good as David is, maybe this is one we can sneak a, a point or two in the odds off, off that morning line. Act of Congress looks the best speed. And then I thought the eight busy morning, obvious if ready off this layoff. Another one I wanted to include. I'll include yours as well in some sort of backup fashion. I think it's a, a pretty open-looking race. Any further thoughts on this 11th before we head to the nightcap? Yeah, it's a pretty sprint. I mean,
1: this is one where you, your ticket can get real expensive real quick in this race. I think that a lot of the others, we can narrow it down to two or three and maybe even one. But this one, uh, all those ones you mentioned were ones I took hard, long looks at that I liked as well. So uh, it's a tough race for sure.
0: Our nightcap is a mile and three eighths maiden for fillies and mares on the inner turf. I don't mind. See, I often complain about maiden races in these sequences when, when, you, when they have form. Uh, like these horses do, as opposed to being first-time starters. I'm much cooler with that. I like that they're carting these races. I, I you know, I love the idea of more races going along on dirt and turf. There's just some horses who aren't going to be suited by, uh, you know, not able to compete with the demands of, of, of shorter races who still have plenty of ability. This kind of a race gives them a chance to show it. I have kind of a half-baked uh, wise guy idea in here, but I'll ask you the question first when it comes to this. Pick six on Saturday at Naira. How are we going to get paid, my friend?
1: Well, I'm going to get paid with a horse that has actually burned some money the last few times out, but is now finally at the right price, in my opinion, which is the number five, Cali's Grit, uh, eight to one. And this is a horse that's for Joe Sharp. And listen, I get it if people are look at this and go, listen, this is a horse that has lost as the favorite three times you're not going to get two to one on this horse this time. That's the benefit. This horse, you're going to get a price now. And I think this horse has every reason to be really effective this time out. Uh, I think that going longer is actually, I think, better. If you look at that running style, it doesn't pass a lot of horses, but that's the t- that tends to be the running style that does well going a little bit longer. We saw that with a horse like Next on the dirt as well. Once they stretched that horse out, it became a totally different type of a horse. Uh, and so I think the extra furlongs are going to be beneficial for this one. Um and it is a very well intended Philly. So I, you know, was in a stakes, you know, stakes place second time out uh, at Kentucky Downs. And now this will be the fourth time back in 2023. But one of those efforts was in an off turf uh, instance and still ran well there. So if for some reason they do take it off the turf, I actually like this horse quite a bit. Um And then, listen, I'll probably include the six and the seven here as well. The six for Mike Maker. Mike Maker going along on the turf is never a bad thing. Uh, And this horse has turned in a lot of honest efforts and, uh, you know, lost to Highland Grace two races back, who I think is a pretty nice horse. Uh, And then she's Mo Bubbly, the number seven for Todd Pletcher. Uh, Again, stretching out, just lost to Highland Grace last time out as well. And I I think is, uh, you know, well well meant
0: for the spot makes sense. I mean, again, a place where you can go a lot of different directions. I was just going to reach into the, the bag of tricks for a pure pedigree play with number one, Southampton Dock, and that English Channel Kitten's Joy cross that I also really, really like for the turf, especially going long on turf, especially going long on turf that has given it, which this course might if the race stays on the grass, just seemed to me like a horse that had enough form to build on that going long, they could be a completely different animal. Lots of ones to use in the backups. uh, Three that I'll mention real quickly to repeat some of yours also. uh, About the three, seven, and nine basically are the horses. Nothing special or clever other than just you know pedigrees i like enough form and pedigree that i think they're going to improve for this and i don't really have a knock i mean i totally understand your your pace um angle on callie's grit that makes sense to me as well uh, i was a little bit worried about uh, uh about all the seconds but you know it can be such a different game going longer and i think you're right probably she's a likely leader in this spot. And maybe that gets her over some of that uh, second and third itis that she's shown on some combinations. I might end up throwing in your others as well here, but those were my main thoughts as for my long shot. Uh, number one here, is it one that you can see if you, if you squint? Absolutely.
1: The pedigree is fantastic. Uh, that was one of the things that I'm glad you
0: brought that one up. Uh, this was
1: just on the outside of my ticket. And just like from a ticket construction standpoint, these last two legs are just bears uh, because you can go really deep in all of them uh, and make really legitimate arguments for all of these horses so uh, definitely one I like a lot and um, you know I also really like Ian Wilkes on the turf in general as well as a trainer so
0: there was a lot to like there about that number one for sure Nothing to nothing to argue about. At least that's good. All right, uh, I loved having you. Fantastic work on this. Uh, we, yeah. we fought through those Wi-Fi issues and we got the job done. Usually I'm the guy with the hat, but I'm okay. I, you know, it's it's uh, we 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 can we can both uh, we can both do that on on, on absolutely. my absolutely no problem at all. <laughs> Check out Matthew's work over at naira. Uh, through the Naira bets social stuff through his own social. I'm assuming your social will send out everything you're doing at fail to menace. Is that about right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Everything from Naira Betts, you know, from promotions to handicapping videos, to uh, analysis, to the written work, et cetera. If you follow me, you'll be able to find it all.
0: Great stuff. If you're watching on YouTube, we have much more over at the podcast. Check out In The Money Media, wherever you get your podcast. Let us know who you think is going to win these stakes races in the YouTube comments as well. Who's going to win the Vanderbilt? Who's going to win the Jim Dandy? Give us a cold double. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll come up with some sort of fabulous prize if somebody uh, gives it to a straight, which I think they probably will be able to, with the, given these field sizes without too much trouble. But uh, Matthew, can't wait to have you back on, and uh, we'll be talking soon. I appreciate it. Special segment coming up next. This is a Breeders' Cup spotlight. We're going to be looking at some of the overseas Breeders' Cup win and you're in races on this show. We sometimes cover them other places, but not usually here. That's going to change with these BC spotlights and uh, you will recognize the voices you're going to hear in this next segment, including mine. Speaking of the Breeders' Cup, we do have a Breeders' Cup win in your in-race from Ascot this weekend. It's the King George. It's loaded. Vanessa, I haven't had a chance to look yet. Michelle, also very interested in racing over there, has just taken a glance at the perspective field. We need you to tell us what to wager on and highlight any uh, key storylines. Vanessa,
4: Vanessa, (laughs) Vanessa, Vanessa. Yeah. Here we go. This is it. Uh, right. In all seriousness, King George. Yeah. Hell of a race, guys. Hell of a race. Race for the ages. That's what they're saying. So, the anti post market has the two three year olds near the top. So, Auguste Rodin, the derby winner, and King of Steel, who's kind of was second in the derby, won the King Edward at Royal Ascot, needs to step forward again, but there's a lot of hype around him. Obviously they're getting a huge weight for age allowance. Is it nine pounds against the elder horses? No. Eleven pounds. And taking them on of the older horses, you've got Hookham, who of course won the Brigadier Gerard at Sandown, taking down Desert Crown that day. Desert was Crown was running here is scratch so that's disappointing but then you've got likes of emily Upjohn, who was last seen in the eclipse over the 10 furlongs was beaten by paddington that day giving weight to paddington paddington tough as you like next up in the betting this is the anti-post betting you've got pile driver won the race last year consistently labeled as the underdog yeah he's the highest rated horse in the race how mad is that Then you've got Luxembourg, who won at the Curra Group One at the Curra earlier this season, finished second to Mustadath in the Prince of Wales' at Royal Ascot. Westover was last seen winning a Group 1 in France, but form-wise, if I'm being deadly honest, that was more like a Group 2 to my eye. That was a free shot for him. And then you've got a few others in behind, like Dover Legend and Hamish, Point Lonsdale and Boyish Ballet, the latter two that will be in there in p- for pacemakers for Auguste Rodin. So that's your rundown of what's running. Essentially, you need to decide if you're going with the three-year-olds and the potential or the proven of the older horses. So that's your first decision. Michelle, did you get a chance to look at this by the way? I literally just looked at the names. Like I just huh. looked at the entries. I was like, wow, that's a good Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's a hell of a race. What I find, so one of my angles in here is I find it really amusing that there's this thing, you guys probably have it in America as well, but in England, we always back potential over proven. And that's the case with the likes of King of Steel. King of Steel won a group two and not a great group two at Royal Ascot in the King Edwards. Okay, he won it well. And yes, he clocked good sectionals at Epsom for the Epsom Derby. But like he's a group two winner. And in here, he's against a handful, a whole host of group one winners. They've won multiple group ones between them. Yet he's pretty much co favourites in the anti post market. To me, that's madness. I want to be backing something that is proven at this level. So you go to the likes of Hookham, Emily Upjohn, and Driver. Emily Upjohn is getting, so she's obviously an older horse, so she's giving weight to the three-year-olds, but she's getting the fillies allowance. I believe she chased down Paddington in the Eclipse over a trip that was too short for her. That was right back to her very best. And prior to that, at Epsom, she looked absolutely top class in the coronation. I think people are overlooking her in the anti-post market. She would probably be my selection in it at this stage. I use the word probably because ground will be dependent. She won't want too much rain between now and then. It's very sketchy weather-wise over here. And obviously if the heavens open, then you look to hook them. Um, Jim Crowley, everybody knows that this horse will handle the soft ground if that's what they end up getting, but At the moment, if it stayed dry and it stayed okay in that regard, then Emily Upjohn, I think, would be my selection. But I say that so tentatively. You know, the likes of 14-1, to you've got a horse like Luxembourg. Luxembourg got a freebie when he won the Tattles Gold Cup back in the spring, well, May, before Royal Ascot up front. He got a brilliant tactical ride that day by Ryan Moore. There's pacemakers from the same team in there for Auguste Rodin. But Luxembourg, you know, he's got a serious amount of ability himself. And the fact that he's 14 to one in your anti post market, that just speaks volumes for how good the race is. But I, in a way, to summarize, I'd love to see August Rodan. Okay. I've tipped up Emily Upjohn. I am aware of that. And at the prices, that is my selection. What but price
0: is Emily right now?
4: Emily Upjohn is best price six to one. Okay. So, six to one against August Rodin's 100 to 30. So, August Rodin, what I was going to say is, I, the team Coolmore has spoken so highly of this horse for loads of reasons in terms of how important he is for them, being by Deep Impact, out of Rhododendron, being a Derby winner. They've spoken at length about this horse being very special. And I love to see a special horse. So I wouldn't begrudge him a win in this race. And if he beats these horses, then I would say, hands up, wow, that is special. But just at the prices right now, I would back Emily up, John.
0: Makes sense. Amazing storylines. Be great to see if we can get some uh, cross between what we're going to see at the King George at Ascot on Saturday and the Breeders' Cup itself. We'll have to see how a lot of things shake out. Has there been any talk of any of these runners in particular having America as a target? Obviously, so many other targets between now and then. But have you heard oh, anything come interesting? Come on, about if
4: Aiden him? has them, you know he's always coming to Breeders' yeah. Cup with a plane load. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like Aiden, from the Breeders' Cup point of view, you want all power to Aiden here because you know that he loves targeting the Breeders' Cup you know he'll bring a horse over for it. You know Aiden is running horses. You know if they're fit and they're well, he'll run them right. Like that's the way this goes. We've been here before with Team Bally Doyle. Look at the way they've campaigned Paddington. You know what will his end of season look like? He's tough as you like. You know they they talk about this horse's toughness in Paddington. Where will he end up? Could he be on a plane to the Breeders' Cup? You just don't, I just don't know. Like there's so many options. But Auguste Rodin is their poster boy this season. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny how it goes in, you know, just talking about that, like, potential overproven. You know, you look at Luxembourg, and last year we were talking about, they were not talking about him in the same breath and the same way they talk about Auguste Rodin, but Luxembourg was, you know, getting the hype. Yeah, he's the unfashionable one in here from the Aiden O'Brien yard, and it's all aboard Auguste Rodin if you're an Aiden O'Brien backer um it's absolutely intriguing the one horse i am not confident about and i would be scratching off my list if i was doing my short list now is king of steel yeah he's kind of co-favorite slash second favorite right now i just think he's got to step up right. you know you look at the bare facts like august rodan has already beaten him hands down he won an average group two there's a lot of talk about king of steel because of his connections and as a result, I feel like the wave of um, popularity kind of has gone with him a little bit. For me, he's a point or two, too short.
0: As promised, up next, we have a man you've been reading on the in slash plus side uh, doing his Frankly Speaking column. You gotta be checking out some of the original content he's doing over at his own uh, eponymous.com
5: website I already told you who it is. It's Frank Scatoni. Frank, how are things? I'm I'm doing really well, Pete. Just uh, looking forward to the weekend here at Del Mar, week number two.
0: I got to be honest. I got a bone to pick with you based on your latest Frankly Speaking column, which can also be found at frankscatoni.com. Here you are. You know, you pretend to be this hardcore horse player. You've been grinding away at this stuff for 25 years. You're reading the form. You're constructing smart tickets. And now I hear you go and win a slot tournament. What the heck is up with
5: that? Well, you know, Pete, I I really didn't want to do this publicly on air, but I'm going to resign. (laughs) I'm starting a new career as a slot player. Yesterday was my last day as a horse player. Uh, That's it. I'm hitting the slot tournament circuit. I find out that I'm much better at pressing a button than I am at actually handicapping and picking the horses and betting. Oh,
0: all those years playing video games paid off to steal your own life. <laughs> oh,
5: it was ridiculous. They're like, oh. press the button as fast, for three minutes, you had to press the button as fast as you could, and then these icons would pop up on the screen, and you had to hit those icons on the screen with your other hand, and all of a sudden, like, after like a minute, my I, I'm like, my arm started to get really, really tired. I'm like, this has got to be over soon. I look up, there's two minutes to go. So I had to switch hands. I went to the left whip, and I started doing it the other <laughs> the way. Horse- like a horse switching leads, or me coming back from a fifteen minute walk, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Union
0: Market with the shopping bag—you just at some point you gotta you gotta go to the other side. It well, gave
5: that- me newfound respect for the jockeys controlling fourteen hundred pound animals. For you know, you for can't even before. hit a
0: button for for, for two minutes. <laughs> let alone, let
5: alone. After a minute, my arm was about to fall off. I kept screaming out "wire, wire" because I could tell I was in first place, but somebody kept coming up, and I'd be in second, back and forth. It was it was so much fun, but. I don't think I ever have to do it again. I think I much rather <laughs> sit I'm retire, that's, You'll retire from that undefeated. Not not bad. <laughs> that's right, go out on top. <laughs> mic drop. Boom.
0: <laughs> the opposite of Moonlight Graham or something. I don't. I don't know what it is, but it's. I, I know. I just told you we were pressed for time, and then I do uh, five minutes of nonsense. But I do have to get a quick recap of it. at least give me a highlight of Jockey Karaoke from the other. Day.
5: Oh, Jockey Karaoke was so much fun. Oh my God. Um, I wish I could give you a lot more highlights, but uh, exhaustion fueled by heat, fueled by lack of food, fueled by a lot of booze. Night's a little hazy for me. I think, <laughs> I think Jessica Pfeiffer and Emily Ellingwood would win. At least that's what I'm told. Okay. What was, what was their duet? I don't know. They danced to something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well,
0: I could see that being a You were really but, good, though, from what I yeah, remember. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> speaking of hazy, you saw me in that state a few times over yes. the weekend at, at Del Mar. But what a great time it was. Thank you for, uh, you know, always being in the mix out there and being part of a great time. All right, now we're going to dive into these last five races on Saturday. Oh, we did this before. But quick plug for the DMTC, uh, the, the contest that's happening this weekend. You can still... Buy in dmtc.com Are you playing? I am playing. Yes. Saturday, I have and- two
5: to be determined, but I am definitely playing. Gotcha. Good.
0: Well, we'll look for your name on the leaderboard. I know we're going to have a lot of listeners involved in there. We encourage folks to get involved. It's a great contest. Two days, and you know, it just makes sense to me. Some people might say, "Well, you're playing in the contest. Why do you want to give your picks out?" Knowing people who have played together for years and how they come up with such different ways of betting those yeah. opinions. I don't think you're giving away uh, too much equity by, exactly. by talking about these five races. Would you agree Exactly. I could
5: give 10 people the same horse and they'll all bet it differently. Exactly. So, you know, it's just I'm not too worried about it. I'm not fussed about it. Good. Race 7 on Saturday, maiden
0: claimers, a mile and a 16th on the turf for these fillies and mares. How shall we get this thing started?
5: Tough, tough race. Probably the hardest race of the sequence um i went through it i had marks to almost every horse in the race but i decided to just narrow it down to four a's i say narrow it down narrow it to four
0: <laughs> just,
5: just the four of them but i'm not going to go b's or c's so i'm going to stick with these four uh and see if i can get through the race and those four are in no particular order number two anki Ra uh makes the third start of her form cycle drops in class cuts back a smidge her come-home times against better horses are perfectly fine, and I thought she plotted really well on Optic's plot. Uh, it's always something I look at uh, whenever I'm making my final decision. It really helps me get a better picture of how the race should be run. Uh, number four, Warren's – I don't know if it's, – it's probably Paradise, but I want to say Baradice. <laughs> Warren's <laughs> Baradice. Doesn't look like much on paper, but she drops in from the Calbred main special weight ranks and you know i i been saying this uh you know every podcast i do with you you just got to keep an eye on where hernandez shows up you know he's got the pick of the litter in any one of these turf races and uh he ends up here uh, i also noted that this horse had trouble in her last two starts so i'm suspecting there's a little more here than meets the eye then number five viewers discretion claim for twenty thousand back east so she's eligible for that ship and win bonus uh, but I like the confidence that yeah, Team shows, moving this one up the ladder, putting her back on turf. I don't think she's uh, impossible here at all. And then the horse to beat is number nine, Adelie, 7-2 uh, to two on the morning line. That just goes to show you how competitive this race is with that tepid morning line. But um, I do think she's the horse to beat, but you will have to work out a trip from out here. Again, another one dropping in from the maiden special weight ranks, but... I can kind of make excuses for all of her defeats at the maiden special weight level. Uh, she's been a little trouble-prone. She's had some bad luck with post positions. This seems like the right spot for her to really shine. Four
0: numbers for Frank to get things kicked off. Maybe the most interesting, that number five, viewers' discretion at a tempting 12-1 to one on the morning line should that come to fruition. We pick up with graded stakes action in the San Diego, Mile own a 16th prep race here for for the uh, Pacific Classic at the end of the meet. But this is a grade two in and of itself. Lots of familiar names, none more so than Defunded, who uh, turns up here as the eight to five morning line favorite. Interesting to see uh, this horse been versatile in terms of running style. Others projected to be faster than him early on time for him anyway, including Slow Down Andy and Brickyard Ride. What kind of trip do you think Defunded gets? And who are you going to use in the San Diego?
5: Well, you know, if Defunded hops at the start like uh, he did in the Californian, I hope that's the trip he gets, sitting off a fast pace and just kind of tracking on the outside on the best part of the track. Um, I do not want this horse to go to the lead. I do not want Hernandez to try and find the rail. I want him to just sit comfortably three, four wide uh, in the clear on the good part of the track. And, you know, if he runs his best race, he's the winner. But, uh, you know, I – I don't know how much I trust him. You know, I know he's run well here before, but he's also run some real duds. Um, And I think those real duds were because he was running against the track bias. Uh, So if he finds himself on the bad part of the track, he is beatable today. But uh, if he does run anything close to his race in the Californian two-back with that kind of tracking style, uh, he's, you know, he's going to be very, very tough. But I wasn't comfortable just sticking with him. I wanted to find... Somebody else to use, and, and I looked long and hard at this race. You know, I think Slow Down Andy is a very good horse, but that horse is going to be stuck at the rail, not where I want the horse to be. Royal Ship, uh, you know, isn't really the same horse that uh, he was last year. And, again, he's going to be stuck down on the inside. Uh, his best race came on the, on the best part of the track when he won the San Diego last year. Uh, I kept looking and looking. I got a couple of allowance horses stepping up. I'm going to end up on number four, miss the cut. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, a little bit of a little bit of a fuzzy here because there's really not much to go on. But he was a terrific 10 furlong horse overseas. So maybe Sadler is kind of racing him into shape for Pacific Classic Day. But I do think this horse has a lot of ability. Uh, I love that Sadler took a, a, turf, a turf and synth horse and just put him right on dirt uh, here for the first start in the U.S. And the horse ran, ran really well. Uh, finished second, but ran a good race. And if you look, the horse was bet to even money. So I know it was only a four-horse field, but the horse was bet to even money. So clearly people think that this horse has tremendous ability. Uh, I think it was a very useful race. I'm willing to pay today to see if this guy can move forward. Um, I don't like that he loses Hernandez, but um, I'm not mad about Hector Berrios either. I think he's a very, very good under-the-radar jockey. So those are the two I'm going to use. I don't feel great about it, but that's it. What do you think the price will be on Miss the
0: Cut? Five to one on the morning line, given the question marks, feels a little skinny to me. Would love this horse at, uh, you know, more of a price. Just the yeah. damn side category is turf on turf on turf, you know, so it's, it's a little tricky for
5: me. It's a little tricky, but yeah, I would have tabbed this horse more, you know, eight to one on the line. Um, I was a little surprised at how short that is. But as we've talked about before on the show, you know, if a horse you think should be longer on the morning line is shorter that tells you that John white read the workout reports and mm. <laughs> he's going to factor that into the line and this works because the horse is probably working well. I haven't seen anything yet. Um, but, uh, that, that's what that tells me. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes horses do outrun their pedigree, you know, just cause there's turf everywhere. Um, you know, well, I'm the damn the desire
0: side, you got no problem with dirt with right. quality road. So maybe he's just very much stamped as a quality road and it's no problem. And, and you're right. If if there was a good workout report, then all of a sudden I don't have any problem at all with the five to one on the horse. So that's right. something to take a look at and yeah, yeah. obviously pay attention to how the horse is He's
5: got that bullet on July 22nd, first of 121 horses. So yeah. he must have been doing something right that morning. And we the do. other thing is, you know, me and Tom Quigley, we do, we do a lot of notes in formulator and. We're always looking for uh, information that people either don't have or may have and then forget about it. And we have a note here for this horse. Uh, Brad Free Horse to Watch said highly regarded import ran like he needed the race. Mm. So, you know, just a little bit of extra info to try and take on the favorite here. I like Um, it. But but yeah, but if the funded runs the the race he's capable of, uh, it's going to be tough for anyone to beat him. Race nine, allowance runners, fillies and mares, mile on the turf, big full field. Who are we going with here? I love this race. I, I'm going I'm going to war with number five at 20 to 1. Gimme Mo Baby. Love it. Yeah, I mean the very competitive field. A lot of these can win, but you know, this gal has graded stakes form from when she was a sophomore. And then you just X out her four-year-old debut. She looked like she was just prepping in a sprint race down the hill. I have no problem with that. She broke her maiden at today's distance here at Del Mar. She looks like she's sitting on a huge one. I'd I'd be shocked if this horse was 20 to 1. She'll either be 20 to 1 or she'll be scratched. You know, sometimes uh, uh, if – what is it called? A stuck horse, sometimes they call it. Uh, You know, the the horse enters, but the connections kind of know that they're going to scratch. John White will tab that horse at 21 on the line. So I see one of two things. This horse is either going to get bet in half or the horse is going to scratch. Uh, because I think twenty-one is just a ridiculously high price on this horse. Uh, that's my lone A in the race. I'm going to war with her. Uh, you know, that wins. We're having a very nice day. Uh, as Bs, I'll use two other horses, number nine, Ultimate High. I've always liked this horse. She was a top pick for me, two back, when she finished second at this distance uh, while facing open foes like today. She's just a really cool calibre who always shows up for work. So I have her as a B, and then the other B I'll use is number 12, Shocking Gray. Another cowbred, who, you know, will need a step forward today, but she's lightly raced four-year-old. She's never run a bad race. Uh, I love the Mullins-Berrios combo. That has been lethal, you know, the last six months. Uh, what bothers me the most about her is the tough post, obviously, but you're getting compensated with that 12-to-1 morning line. Grade one action is up next in the form of the Bing Crosby winning your in action for the Breeders'
0: Cup sprint. Six furlongs on the dirt. Field of twelve goes postward. Who gets
5: the money? You know, I, I thought it was very odd that Brickyard Ride was entered in the in the route race as opposed to here. I'm not quite sure what the what the reasoning is for that, but um hey, be that as it may, you gotta handicap the horses that are in the race, uh not drawn in another race. So uh, as I mentioned to you uh, on a couple of the other podcasts I've done, I, I really believe that the, the the main track in sprint races has been favorable to the outside. It got a little more fair on Sunday, but um, when I see a sprint race show up in the forum, I am handicapping from the outside in. And if I find my horses on the outside and I keep going in and I like my horses more and more, I feel very confident about the race. So there are two horses on the outside that uh, interest me. I was almost tempted to stop handicapping when I saw that Dr. Scheibel drew the 11 hole thinking, Oh my God, this is just perfect for this horse. Um, you know, but I kept looking anyway and I came up with another one, uh, but Dr. Scheibel, what a terrific race horse loves Del Mar loves the distance. You can just toss his try in the Met mile. That just wasn't his game uh, focus on his sprint races here in Southern California. He won this race back in 2021 He's drawn favorably here. He's got tactical speed. Uh, You know, Mark Glad has done a really, really good job with this horse. I think Dr. Shivel is the one to beat. So he is an A for me. But drawn right inside of him is another A for me. Number 10, American Theorem. Excuse me. I know he's run two poor races in a row, but I know he's better than that. I mean, he's he's a much better horse than that. He's another horse who loves Del Mar. He won this race uh, last year love the trip that he and Dr. Shival are going to get. Uh, Again, second off the bench, toss the BC Sprint, toss the comeback race. It's kind of four wide into the stretch at Santa Anita, not where you want it to be. If he's four wide into the stretch here, he'll have a very good shot to level out and give Dr. Shival a run for his money. So those are my two A's in this race. But, you know, there are a lot of cool horses here. Number two, Spirit of McKenna, nice horse. Number four, Chosen Vron, one of my favorite cowbreds in training. And you have the old warrior, number eight, CZ Rocket. This is one of the better renewals of this race that I've seen in the last few years.
0: Totally agree on the quality of it. Will you be using two, four, and nine potentially as backups, or were you more just highlighting them
5: as interesting horses to sort of watch? Just interesting horses to watch. No, I'm going lean and mean here. I, 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 felt, really good about this, I felt really good about this sequence. As much as yeah. I would love to be, <clears throat> excuse me, I would love to be very spready in all these other races because I have that 20 to one a um, I'm very happy with, with, I'm happy to go to war with these horses. So hit it a few times and yet.
0: try to win a new car. That's that. Right. You know, when you got the 20 to one a, it gives you the opportunity, you know, people that's a true, yes, you can theoretically spread, but if you don't want to, why not just really try to make your year um, and, and knock one out of the park is what I would say. And, and then, you know, just bet all the horses individually, too. So maybe if exactly. you know, only four or five, four or five of them win. You can still really get paid um, when you have horses at, at prices and you're willing to take stands like you are in the sequence. I love it from an EV point of view. We close the card with a maiden special weight, one mile on the turf. Fortunately, only two first-time starters. We talked about that, or three, I should say. We talked about that last week. Don't love that when you have these blind firsters in the last leg of these picks, but this one isn't too bad. Um, Who do you want to have on your tickets to close this thing out?
5: Yeah, it's not too bad because you know how hard it is uh, uh, to win at a mile on the turf in your first start, uh, especially here uh, out in, in California. Uh, I have a little bit of an interesting horse here. I actually gave this horse out once before uh, when I did your show, uh, when this horse debuted on May 13th. That's number six, Hula Candy. And the angle I gave for him that day is, I know it sounds so counterintuitive and strange, uh, but when a good trainer keeps a horse and debuts the horse as a five-year-old, that tells me that they believe that the horse has ability because, you know, John Sheriffs and Jerry Moss, if they didn't think this horse could run, clearly the horse had plenty of setbacks. They would have just sent him out to the farm and just, you know, let him frolic and just, you know, do his thing. No, they decided that this was a racehorse and they wanted to stick with this horse. So I actually bet this horse in the debut and the horse took money in a nine horse field, went off at seven to two, um, was off slow, broke horribly, galloped, but, you know, had a little trouble early, but galloped out very, very willingly. So I was very impressed by that debut race. So I came back and bet the horse again in start number two, and again had a horrible trip. Rough start was wide, just no chance. I think today's the day. Third race of the form cycle. Um, the horse moved forward from start one to start two, and again this is a five-year-old facing a bunch of three-year-olds. You know she's uh, he's going to be a lot more mature, physically developed than these other horses. And I think he'll be a little sneaky in here. So Hula Candy is my my top pick.
0: Love this case. I mean, these are angles we talk about all the time on the shows. That educational first run, you know, where they sort of figure out this racing thing halfway through the race. That's an angle you just love for a horse that's going to win its maiden soon thereafter. And then just, you know, the trip wasn't good, but also just a horrible flow uh, situation last time, 10th. Um, in a field of 12 early and just chasing those blue time form U.S. fractions, finishing with interest. Couldn't like your case
5: for Hula Candy more. Who are we going to put with him? Yeah, so Hula Candy will be my A. And then um, I was intrigued by a couple of other horses as the B line. Uh, Number three, Caribbean King. Number four, Smooth Salute. And number five, Legitimate Target. Just throwing it out there. um, Number four, Smooth Salute is, I believe, a full to smooth-like straight Very, very good horse for Michael McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, Danced a lot of big dances. I know you're familiar with that, Myler. Gosh, love him. Yeah, big, big
0: score for me when second in the Breeders' Cup mile a couple of years ago. Uh, A a, a horse who's just, who's terrific. Interesting to see they went mile in an eighth for the second start. Um, Maybe made the front too soon. They're very, very logical back in in this spot. Will surely catch a lot of money.
5: Agreed. And any
0: others or is that it?
5: That's it. Those are those. Like like I said, lean and mean today. I'm pretty skinny. Uh, I love it. I get out of that first race. uh, I feel really good about my my tight selections the rest of the way. Uh, I feel like this is a sequence where you don't have to spend a lot of money because we've got big, full fields and we've got horses um, that I like at, at decent prices. So. Uh, You just need to be right. You know, if 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 you're seeing the ball swing, hit it out of the park. (laughs) I'll be following you in. And I love a
0: situation like this where there's good, there's opinions that are strong enough in enough legs that I really highly suggest, even more than usual in this case. I would not just stick to the pick five. I would let the pick five be the kill bet. And I would be betting where appropriate throughout this sequence to to, to try to get the job done. And uh, one last note on that forerunner in the last race, uh, time form has Mike McCarthy, Michael McCarthy, coded as cold. You can't keep a trainer that good down for long, so I, I would imagine he's willing to to bust out. Would you agree with that? Have you had you noticed him being cold and and any signs of life
5: coming? You know, it's funny. I did a little a little hot or not thing for the Frankly Speaking column that I do for for In the Money, and I had him and Peter Miller as cold. You know, just because they started off as offers. Um, I think it's, I think it's still a little too early to tell, you know, he's over 13, but he's got a second and three thirds, you know, Michael McCarthy is a, he's a good trainer. Uh, You know, if he, if this horse runs poorly, I would take a, take a closer look just because this horse figures to run really well today. So if that horse, yeah, if that horse doesn't fire, then, you know, then I'll dig a little deeper, but um, you know, I'm not too worried about it uh, this early in the meet. Uh, but again, like we said, if you spot a trend before it becomes a trend, that's how you really make some money. So, uh, you know, we'll see how this one plays out. Great stuff, Frank.
0: Always appreciate having you on these airwaves. Check out more from Frank at frankscotone.com and also through our In The Money Plus service. Get, frankly speaking, every Delmar Racing Day, as well as Nick's notebook for Saratoga behind the paywall content there, in slash plus. We'll be talking soon. In just a little bit, we are going to have Frank Scatoni talking about Saturday, and maybe a little Sunday, racing at Del Marx. Of course, there is the Live Money contest this weekend that you can play if you're out there. You can read all the details about that on the DMTC website. But there's another contest happening in just a couple of weeks that I know our audience is going to be very sympathetic to. We've helped sell it out in the past. And it's also at a little bit of a lower price point. So, if you're one of those players who's maybe new to live bank role play and isn't going to pony up the cash to play in the challenge this weekend, this next contest we're going to talk about is one you definitely will want to play in. It is the LRF Cares Challenge. And to talk about it with us today, a man we need to have back on these airwaves for a much longer visit soon about so many different things. But we bring him here today as a man who uh, loves contests, just cash huge. In the NHC. He is Gary Fenton. Gary, what's going on, my man?
6: Uh, Peter, thanks for having me. Um, welcome to Del Mar. It's another beautiful uh, day out here uh, at the Seaside Oval.
0: Love it. I was out there for opening weekend, and I don't want to miss one for the foreseeable future. I, I've got to figure out a way to make that part of my life. You know, I love Saratoga, but boy, with uh, King's Plate now permanently in August uh, for our partners and friends at Woodbine. And just the magic that is Del Mar. I may have to go back. You know, Saratoga used to be six weeks. It might become six weeks for me going forward because I have to get these other two things in. Very much appreciated your hospitality. It was great seeing you in person. And again, we've got so much to talk about. You know, I know you have some views on the computer-assisted wagering topic. that We've had a lot on our airwaves obviously, with everything going on in California racing. Can I just book you now, production meeting in the middle of a show, for a much longer visit? Maybe we do an hour in the next couple of weeks or so?
6: A- absolutely. I'm available anytime uh, for you. This is you know my f- my favorite podcast out there. Uh, you and, and the whole team do just a tremendous job, not just promoting racing, uh, but having really intellectual discussions about all things that go inside racing. And I know um, one of the one of the great things about being part of the sport, whether you're an owner, or a stakeholder or, or better, you like to go inside the locker room and, and, and in the weeds and really understand how the sausage is made. You guys do a great job covering. It.
0: Well, I appreciate that very much, especially given that I know we've had some views on these airwaves that you'd like to offer some other perspective on. So the fact that you enjoy it anyway, even though it's not always music to your ears. Uh, I appreciate that very much, my friend. And we'll get into that deep dive. But for now, let's talk about all about uh, this contest coming up, starting with LRF Cares itself. Tell us about this charity and the work that you do.
6: One of the uh, top five questions that we get at Little Red Feather uh, from a prospective investor is what do you do for aftercare? It's incredibly important to owners um, that horses – uh, can thrive, can have access to, um, and th- their careers are two years, three years, six months, uh, but their lives can go up to 30. So, you know, what do you do to make sure that they can have a, a fruitful uh, and secondary uh, career? And <clears throat> we started LRF Cares to, to help facilitate that. And um, f- thanks to the generous donations of, of a lot of our partners and horse players and, and, and people around the country, um, we're able to have a fund that takes care of all little red feather horses um, as best as we can um, going forward and, and and making sure that uh, they have great secondary career.
0: That's terrific. And this contest has been one of your funding mechanisms for it. How does it work? Is it a port what portion of the proceeds when you play in this, how does it get donated to
6: aftercare? I, uh, I'm curious wh- how it's sort that out. Wh- we are so appreciative of horse players. We know they are price sensitive. We know when they enter contests that they expect 100% of the prize pool to go to, to cash and prizes. Um, but we also know that horse players uh, feel about aftercare the same way that owners do and want to help and contribute and be part of the industry. Um, and so for this contest, uh, it's $600 live money. Um, $300 sorry to live money $600 to enter the other $300 we divide up half to, to aftercare after the after the charity and then half uh, to to prizes cash and prizes so um, <clears throat> it ends up being um, I don't know 10 or $15,000 to as to, gross to to LRF cares we have some expenses on there. Uh, but we're so appreciative that horse players want to enter into contest and donate a little bit of their uh, cash and prizes. Uh, to such a worthwhile cause.
0: Love that the d- event is Sunday August 13th. You can play on track or at tvg.com and this prize pool is terrific for that for that level of buy-in. We're dealing with a $10,000 Breeders' Cup betting challenge entry to first, second and third get their uh, National Horse Player Championship entries and then there's also Pegasus um Pegasus challenge entries in there as well and some cash for for six to, in the form of uh,
6: let, let, let me correct you because i know they go shorthand with it it's not pegasus actually it's the pacific classic contest. Oh, so they, the lmar has their big contest this weekend and, and and i know a lot of horse players around the country uh, like to play in it and then and then they promote and, and have our contest uh, a couple weeks later and then at the end of the meet they have a smaller contest uh, which is also very 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 popular but um I'd like to really give a shout out to our friends at TVG. Andrew Moore has consistently supported um, this cause and, and donated and, and bought up a bunch of tickets and handed them out to some of their on-air uh, personalities that, that like to play in it. Um, so I know our horse players like to compete against the best uh, and the best will, will be there again this year. Uh, I believe Dave Weaver finished in the money a couple of years ago. great Ice. horse player. Nice cold. Um, yep. So we really appreciate just not only the support of horse players but tvg to be our online platform uh, but also to come in with it with a donation and buy up some tickets and uh, and hand them out to their uh, personality
0: that's awesome we you know in in future I know in the money people are going to be playing anyway but we'll have to we'll have to talk about getting some of us you know m- making more of a thing of it we can challenge the tvg crew or something in a future year and come up with some sort of contest within the contest to generate a little bit more money for this charity that was a terrible host fail of course it's the pacific classic uh contest um that's a so that's a a seat worth four thousand for a saturday september 2nd again this contest that we're talking about i've seen it different in two different places i've seen it as uh i got to look at a calendar or do you know offhand august 13th is a saturday or sunday it's a sunday it's a okay, it is a Sunday. That's actually wrong on the DMTC site. We should probably get that fixed. But anyway, that's another production meeting. And then of course, this weekend, yeah, the $6,000 traditional uh Delmar Summer Handicapping Challenge again. You can find the details on dmtc.com. Now, are you allowed to play in this thing or because of the LR's involvement you have to sit on the sidelines for this one.
6: No, I mean you, you as as the organizer you, you create the rules and uh, and and of course uh, I I like to play in it. I haven't done too well in this in this particular contest. So I'm hoping for better things this year. Um, and, uh, I mean, I don't, I see no reason why, uh, anybody organized or anybody cares, you know, shouldn't play in the contest. We don't get any special rules. Everything is run by the Delmar thoroughbred club. And right. we've never heard any, any negativity to us playing in the contest.
0: Yeah. No, I think that, I think that makes sense. Sometimes there are different contests have different rules, but I mean, this would be very, very easy to, uh, you know, let's say you win and somebody wanted to see your plays. That would be quite doable with the hot contest run that you're on. Do you consider yourself the favorite?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that Peter. Uh I had I had a great weekend in Vegas one one I obviously never forget. Um and uh, I enjoy contest play. It's 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 the way I like to 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 gamble uh in this sport. Um it's great. I mean, I know people Recognized, but I don't know that they really recognize When you're at the racetrack, you are playing. You see the odds on the tote port, but you're really playing against other players uh, in contests. You see it, <clears throat> and and that competitive nature makes it really really fun. Uh, if you're a partner in Little Red Feather, we provide con- weekly contests for everyone, um, and we have. Uh, I think we had a we sent eleven. People, eleven partners qualified for NHC twenty-three last year. We have a lot of great horse players, so we end up uh, asking the NHC if we can buy a seat, and then we run a tour for our players, um, our, our investors, and and we ultimately give a seat to the best tour player of the year. Um, so, and not just me, but a lot of our other partners love playing in contests, and uh, you know, as, as you do as well.
0: No doubt about it. All right, we will continue to talk about this charity challenge. It's going to sell out based on previous years so don't um drag your heels on this one best way to sign up Gary is it through the DMT site or do you have a better way to do it
6: the DMT site is is the only way to give you the link to our our donation page uh, which will sign you up and and Pete you, know, you, you said it we only can have 150 players in it and we do sell out so if you want to play get in get in early um and we look forward to competing against you.
0: Awesome. Great stuff. Gary Fenton will be back very soon, and we will be talking uh, to you then. And right now, we're going to bring in Frank Scatoni.
6: Awesome, Peter. Thank you.
0: Next up on the show, I'm happy to bring back a returning guest. I have to confess, in the way that sometimes we record the shows, I have recorded the outro already and I forgot to say his name. It's very embarrassing. I'll just cop to it here. Uh, So when you get to the end of the show, imagine me also thanking, as I thank all the guests, today's guest to go over Monmouth Park, Eric Solomon. Eric, what's going on, man? Not much, Peter. How's it going for you? Things are good. And and obviously, I'm not forgetting. I didn't forget to say your name uh, as a reflection of the fantastic work you've been doing for us. been getting a lot of Positive comments on all the coverage from Monmouth Park, and also got some nice uh, comments about the Redboard Rewind show you did with uh, Spencer Lugembule, looking back at Monmouth uh, last weekend. Thank you for everything you do for us here at the network.
3: Uh, absolutely, I enjoy I enjoy it tremendously. That's great. I think we found you in the first
0: place through Spencer. How did you, but I can't remember. And I forgot to ask him the other night when we were out at wrestling. We actually, you can see if you watch the beginning of AEW Dynamite from Wednesday, right at the opening of the show, the camera pans down and you, and you see us, which is kind of funny. But I forgot to ask him in all the conversation we had mm-hmm. hanging out all day at the track and all night at the wrestling, how you guys came into, uh, into the
3: same orbit. So so I think if I remember correctly, I just randomly saw something on Twitter when, when he was doing Daily Gallup, uh, you know, o- over COVID, um, it was just kind of look, looking for just something to fill some time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, re- reached out, I think I started doing the fairgrounds over there. And then, you know, after a while, I, I think he uh, connected me with you guys and there you go. got, uh, over three years now. That's something
0: else Spencer doesn't get enough credit for, honestly, is the idea as the, you know, the Gallup probably was at its peak during the COVID years and as Spencer got more busy, it it began to, you know, he didn't really have the bandwidth to, to coordinate it. And one of the things we thought when doing daily free handicapping content on the site was to sort of fill... Fill that void. So, that in a sense wouldn't necessarily, you know, I really got that idea from him. So, it really wouldn't be something we do. And it's something we don't talk about enough here on the shows is oh, by the way, if you want daily handicapping content for tracks all over the country, especially highlighting our partner tracks like Monmouth, make sure to check that out in the moneypodcast.com. Not only is it free, but we have resisted the temptation to allow, uh, there are some ads but mostly house ads. We've resisted the temptation to allow anything obnoxious to pop up or just start playing automatically on the pages. So I would highly recommend folks check that out. And Eric is a big part of it. So we're looking at this Monmouth card for July 29th. Where shall we begin? I think we were going to do something uh, a little not ordinary this week and maybe start off with our Monmouth uh, play of the day.
3: Sure. I mean, it, it's, it comes up early. It's, it's in the first race uh, there is a New Jersey bred maiden special weight race uh, that, that I, I like a decent amount. Um, this, this condition, there, there was a race scheduled, on uh, the 25th It was taken off the turf. So some of the horses ran in the, on the dirt that day, others scratched and kind of waited for another spot. Um, but th- there were three horses that are coming out of uh, the race, the last race at this condition on June 4th. And, uh, you know, the two go to go to the kingdom, the seven Jersey Greg and uh, the nine Vesparo. They all finished up uh, within a length of each other. Um, but, but of, of that trio, I, I think common logic says, you know, they're, they're going to be pretty evenly matched. Uh, I, I do see the seven, you know, Paco Lopez takes over the Mount uh, on Jersey Greg. So, so, He's a morning line favorite there, even though he was fourth in that race. Um, but I, I really like go to the kingdom, the two horse in that race uh, for Cathal Lynch, Trevor McCarthy coming in to ride today. Uh, he, he had a, that was his first race on turf broke uh, on the outside was pretty much wide the entire way around uh, finished really strongly to, to be third, less than less than a length behind a stablemate Irish Rill, who won that race comes back didn't really run much on the dirt in that uh, June 25th race, but uh, I think the key here is, is that he gets a big post relief here, coming um, breaking from post two as opposed to post nine today. And then the other difference is that that race on the fourth of June was a one mile race, so one mile race is at Monmouth. It's a straightaway start. The mile and the sixteenth races they come out of the turf chute, so horses on the outside they, they there are some some ground loss issues there that, that certainly they either kind of have to be aggressively sent where, where you maybe wind up going a little faster than you want to, or you do risk, you know, losing some ground coming out of that shoot. Uh, so, so both Jersey Greg and Vesparo who had fantastic trips in that June 4th race are both kind of stuck on the outside. I, I think for a race where, you know, that they seem evenly matched, I, I think go to the kingdom can kind of make up some of the, you know, a couple of those lengths uh, on those two. Uh, three to one on the morning line. I do expect this one to be you know, second or third choice in the wagering. So, so I think there might be a little bit of value there. Yeah. Maybe may a crazy long shot to throw underneath the, the one horse just comply in that race. Kind of, I'm looking for a little bit of value. Uh, Mike Deeney, second time starter. I, I think last race was really just kind of stretching her legs to, you know, hit the, hit the front a little bit in a sprint, uh, six front long dirt sprint. Um, then faded. Breeding tells me this horse wants to go two turns on turf that the dam's only other folder race is a winner uh, with Jer- Jersey bread made special weight at two turns on the turf. Uh, so, so I think this is a horse that, that stands to improve at, at 15 to one on the morning line there. So two uh, horse I'm going to be singling in the win early pick five and then vertical exotics, maybe try and connect with the one underneath in that race.
0: Love, love those ideas. That's a great point you make about posts in a turf shoot when it's that inner turf shoot, because you're dealing with a turn there that isn't banked at all. So yeah. in theory, that's going to make it much harder uh, to lose ground on than a turn where there's at least a little bit of banking, and it allows those horses wide to get not fully compensated. You still don't want to be going three wide, three wide around a bank turn, but I do think it's it's that much worse at tracks like Monmouth and Del Mar when you're wide that extra bit uh, coming out of that inside shoot. just something to think about in terms of course configuration sure some maybe some database out there can pull the numbers on it. i've never seen the numbers this is one i've just done intuitively but i think there's probably something to that where shall we go next on this card my friend
3: uh so, so we uh, take a look at the Love late pick five which is going to at a uh, race six today
0: we got sixteen thousand dollar claimers we're going a mile on a 16th on the turf once again and we have a big full field in this spot seems like a race where you are going to need to make a decision about how you want to handle the favorite proven hope at five to two. Are you with or against this one for Carlos?
3: Uh, I ended up, I'm going to be using proven hope on the a-line in this race. Um, you know, this is a uh, running for Claudio Gonzalez and uh, there is no hotter trainer at Monmouth right now, especially in the month of July. But, uh, I've got one of his horses singled later on in this sequence, or, or at least on, on the A-line as, uh, you know, a horse I could consider singling in the sequence. Um, 15 wins in the month of July. He, he started off this meet ice cold, uh, three for 39, um, but but then has, has kind of exploded to, you know, 15 wins, like I said, in, in the month of July. Multiple, multiple win days for him. Um, so, so just everything is firing here. And, and what's kind of interesting is, is that, he's doing that and he, he really hardly ever uses uh, Paco Lopez, who's the leading rider who you know, wins with just about everything uh, at Monmouth. Lopez winds up on the three horses. So now it seems like that the two forces are joining powers here, perhaps, <laughs> um, you know, which might be slightly unfortunate for, you know, some of it, because I think uh, during this win streak, there, there's been you know, seven other riders that, that uh, you know, don't, don't always get a lot of attention, but we're riding for a, you know, last year's leading trainer, this year's, leading trainer uh, but I, I do think this Naira Shipper I, I, the one race this horse ran at a true two-turn race uh, two back at Aqueduct was, was by far his best uh, breaking the maiden for 40k maiden claimers uh, ran okay against winners for the first time when facing better now uh, private purchase moves to Claudio Gonzalez's barn drops in class a little bit don't love it but I, I just think it is probably better than a lot of these horses I get it. I do uh I did make the eight horse. Okay, let's go my top pick in that race. Is this a horse also going to be on the A line and or may, maybe kind of value play. Another horse that's dropping in class. I, I like the effort from this horse. Uh was kind of stuck. He's kinda of outside again, but but was stuck on on the far outside uh two back when facing uh forty forty thousand uh condition claimers here. Ran well against a pretty good field for that condition to be fifth, uh finished mid pack. So I, I think the drop in class for this one makes a lot of sense. This horse, it was claimed for 20,000 back at Tampa. So this is not like a red flag drop by any stretch of the imagination might be overlooked because it's a dull race on dirt last time out. Um, but, but I, I think this was a good candidate to rebound in this spot. Makes sense to
0: me. Eight and three, any
3: backups you want to at least number check? Uh, I will say that, uh, if the 13 triple start draws in, again, going to be from a wide post, but but he, he's going to be a player. He, he was a winner at this condition last time out, improving three-year-old. If he does run, he'd be the only horse in the race with uh, more than one win. Uh, just a horse that's trending in the right direction for Kelly Breen. And then under, underneath, uh, interesting long shot here, 15-1, a constitutional bid, a horse that, that I'll, I'll be kind of trying to catch underneath. Uh, maiden winner at uh, Maiden 16,000 uh, here on the turf on July 1st, doing that in a sprint coming off the layoff. I, I think the source wants to go two turns on the turf. The debut at Aqueduct last year, there's been a lot of stop and starts on the career, but even though that, that uh, he had a lot of trouble in that race, buyer figure was the best of his career in that debut at two turns at Aqueduct. I think coming back off the second off the layoff, going two turns is, is going to be a positive for him. Might be a horse better for next time, uh, especially if we can kind of draw in a little bit. But it could, could be a sneaky long shot in a wide open race if he gets the right trip.
0: Let's move on to race number seven, where we've got $30,000 claimers, fillies and mares. We're going six furlongs on the dirt here. Uh, where will you be going?
3: Uh, So this is is the race where I I really do like the Claudio Gonzalez horse, the five horse shiny slam. This is another one of those kind of condition claimers where three-year-olds that have more than one win are eligible to race against older horses that are non-winners of two in this condition, in this uh, particular condition. So this three-year-old filly has three wins, was a winner uh, three back uh, in her first race on this course with uh, $50,000 claimers at this level, went gate to wire that day. Went over to Delaware, struggled on a pretty wet track that day, and then didn't run her best race coming back here uh, three weeks ago. Claudio Gonzalez claims this horse, and he has just, when he claims a horse and runs them back within a month, uh, he's been winning at a pretty strong rate with that. Um, I had a number pulled, and I don't think I wrote it down uh, on, on my notes, but. I think he had, you know, four of his last five going into last week were winners under that situation. I just see this as a horse that, that can improve in a field where, where I have a lot of question marks about some of the other horses here. So Shiny Slam the 5, 5-1 to going to be my lone A horse in that race. And then I'll, I'll back up with a favorite, Dial Her Up. Um, you know, when, when you look at this horse's PPs, everything sort of makes sense, um, you know, from a number standpoint. I don't love a horse coming out of a maiden special weight race coming into a claiming race, uh, and, and especially you know when I kind of did a little bit of a deeper dive into that, she she broke her maiden in a maiden special weight at Delaware. There, there's a non-winners of one allowance race at Delaware at this six furlong distance today that she opted to come here for the thirty k tag. It just seems like an odd placement when, there, when for a horse that that could be running in starter allowance company, could be running in non-winners of one condition. For you know, there's there's races like strictly for three-year-old fillies. So I see that there's a lot of other conditions where she wouldn't be offered for a tag that she could be running in, um, and and those races are you know kind of almost like a dime a dozen on the mid-Atlantic. I mean, she was willing to go to you know she went to Park, she went to Delaware, you know she's running here at Monmouth, so. Just why she shows up here in this spot is a little bit of a concern to me, um, and I couldn't quite get past that. Um, maybe not enough to eliminate her, but uh, so I, I am going to back up with her, but I have enough questions there. A yeah, vote of no confidence, putting Paco up. I, I feel like that you could make a case
0: that there is a big uh, for sale sign when it comes to number four, dial her up, and I love your case for the five, shiny slam. Let's move on to some stakes action, two-year-old stakes action in uh, the, for, for these Phillies uh, in this uh, five furlong contest. What's this race called? It just says, on my time form, it just says 85th running, but it doesn't say what, what the- 85th what the running
3: of is. the Colleen Stakes. There
0: you go, the Colleen Stakes. Excellent. And we've got a field of nine going postward. Who do you like to win?
3: You know, the, these two-year-old stakes races on the turf, especially this time of year, are always kind of tricky because- you, you know, a lot of times you're going to get a horse, some horses in these races that were winners on dirt. And, and they're really, they might not be, you know, Saratoga graded stakes material, but there's not a lot of options for them right now. So, so a race like this, you know, the Colleen stakes today, tomorrow the Tyro stakes, which is the counterpart for two-year-old males drew an overflow field of 14. So am in the middle of trying to figure out that race tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah. um, so, so it's, it's tricky, you know, you know, you have some horses that are speedy horses but may not want the turf. Uh, I ended up, I, you know, watching back all the replays from this race, I, the horse I was most impressed with was the four amidst waves uh, coming in from Belmont. Uh, that was a big-time win back on June 11th uh, to, to win by almost four lengths against a respectable field of uh, maiden special weight fillies on the turf. The runner-up in that race, uh, Kodiak Wintergreen, was a winner at Saratoga the other day uh, in a two-year-old turf sprint race. So there was just some definite quality there. I, I just thought it was a very professional race horse. She wasn't on the lead. She was kind of in behind horses. And, you know, a lot of horses sometimes you see they're kind of stuck in behind horses, they're very uncomfortable. Very patiently ridden by Eric Cancel that day. Uh, and once she got out, she, she, she exploded to the front. I really liked that effort i i do you know sometimes you know horses coming from belmont do struggle in these turf sprints at monmouth because it is an entirely different configuration um uh, but but i'm gonna kind of chalk the i think that the lack of experience in the field in general is going to neutralize that fact here i i really like that race though. she's my top pick i a little bit interested in the one horse on the inside a uh, more tastic coming in from belterra of all places um uh, Debuted on the dirt at Ellis was didn't show up that day. Didn't really look interested in running on the dirt. Um, obviously, George Arnold wanted to get this horse on turf, and you know Belterra. I, I think it kind of just fit a need at that point. You know, if you look, um, and you know she, she did everything she was supposed to. Breaking from the rail that day, got to the lead, and just kind of never looked back. I don't know if she beat much of anything that day, but but I thought it was a professional effort uh, from that one. She can handle being on the rail where she draws again today, which I think is important for a young horse. So I'm going to put those two on top. And then on the b-line, I'm going to look at two horses going to the turf for the first time. Look at the uh, six, Crown Imperial, another horse that uh, Paco Lopez is riding, uh, John Ortiz, uh, bringing this one in after uh, narrowly missing in uh, Stakes Company at Prairie Meadows last time on the dirt. That definitely looks fast enough. Classic Empire sire gets thirteen percent winners with turf sprinters. Uh, the dam was a two-time winner on grass as well. It paired the two first two buyers. Think the horse could be sitting on a better race if she can take on the turf. If she takes to the turf, don't think the value is going to be great, knowing that it is Paco Lopez. She she was you know stakes placed. Um, so, so you're probably taking a short price on a horse doing something new for the first time. But she does make a lot of sense. Uh, And then also going to use the seven Omaha girl is a $400,000 Omaha beach. uh, Second time starter. She won in a little bit of a dogfight on in debut on debut here back in June does have the kind of look of a horse that she probably wasn't ready for a race like the uh, um, uh, Skylerville at Saratoga last week. Um, so, so this makes a little more sense. Omaha beach does have a winner from, uh, only three, uh, horses so far that have started on the turf, but does have a winner there sired by warfront. So I I do expect, uh, horses sired by Omaha beach to have some success on grass. Um, dam has produced multiple winners. again, another horse that certainly, you know, if she takes to the turf could be a threat in this race. And this is an important race, maybe a more
0: important race than it looks on paper from a residual value point of view. As obsessed as breeders are with two-year-old success, the idea that you know going forward, whatever happens with these fillies, you're going to be able to say, oh, a two-year-old stakes winner, that's sexy. Mm -hmm. And that's why it makes sense for horses to be coming in from all over the place. And it makes sense, even if they can run on dirt, to maybe take a a shot in a spot like this. The other point I really liked about Amidst Waves was – that was earned, um, from off the pace in a, in a slow pace race. So that was really yeah. nice. And as good as the, 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 Weaver two-year-olds have been just, just looked like one to, to definitely take an extra look at. I like the ones you highlighted there, four and one on the top line, three and seven on the backup line. We move to graded stakes action in the form of the Monmouth Oaks. Got a nice field of 10 in this spot. Who's your idea of the winner?
3: Uh, this is a good field here. Um, very competitive race. Tried to try to go a little bit of a price. Um, I'm I'm going to play the rebound here and, and look for a better race from the seven horse uh, sheet booty for Ch- kind of the other Chad Brown in this race. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to have the morning line favorite, who I'll talk about in a minute here. Uh, she ran for the first time in three months uh, in the Boiling Spring. She was a heavy favorite that day. Um, Jorge Vargas was riding her that day, which, which he was not originally supposed to. He was a last-second fill-in when uh, the race before uh, Sammy Camacho went down and was injured. Camacho was riding first call for Brown uh, pretty much the entire meet up to that point uh, at, at Monmouth and having a lot of success doing so. Um, so, so not a knock on Jorge Vargas, but you, you know, you, you figure – you know, when, when you're running in a $100,000 stake, you know, there's probably a little bit of extra preparation in terms of a jockey standpoint and not, you know, kind, kind of just kind of got thrown on this horse uh, last minute there. Um, and, and she, she didn't get a great trip that day. It was a slow pace. She was she, You could tell she just was not comfortable in behind some of those horses uh, in in some tight spots. She's kind of backing out a little bit, um, you know, kind of w- backed out to last place at one point. And then she kind of circled the field and was finishing with some interest to be second. Uh Miss New York, who was back in this race, she kind of got the jump on her. She has a lot lot more recent form. So probably was a little more fit uh in that race as well. Um but, but I, I think Shida Booty is I, I liked her effort in the gazelle. I liked her effort second off the layoff to win the Busher back in uh March at Aqueduct um Hector Diaz was a rider that has not won yet at this meet, has not had a lot of opportunities, but he was riding first call for Chad Brown last year at Monmouth. So I'm not worried about him being on this one. I I think this horse can rebound here and, you know, maybe be a little bit overlooked six to one on the morning line. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if after that last race, she she does float up a little bit more, especially with the other Chad Brown in this race. Um, Other horse I'm going to put on the A-line number four, Foggy Night. ran in the Delaware Oaks uh, and was the winner there, beat a Chad Brown and a Todd Pletcher horse that were uh, trying to come in and swoop the pot down at Delaware at the beginning of the month. This is a filly that that showed some promise last year, was second and attempted at Aqueduct back in November. She struggled in the slop in the Demoiselle, which, you know, not necessarily a surprise there. She's she's run three solid races, uh, just missing in her return race at Parks. Getting the uh, clearing that uh, first-level allowance uh, back in June and then moving up to Stakes Company. And I, I thought, really impressive. Uh, like how Paco handled her that day, he's back with her. And again, might be a little bit overlooked as well. I'm going to put those two on the A-line, and, and I'll cover with a Colt, the morning line favorite here for Chad Brown. I, I do feel that she, she might get hammered at the window after that big buyer figure when she was third in the acorn last time out. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good race. Uh, pretty mischievous, obviously, is is a tremendous uh, three year old filly who was the winner of that race. And and she she was she was third at twenty seven to one that day. She comes back to a two turn race here. She's kind of stuck on the outside. And, and again, I, I know you know Chad Brown's kind of scrambling a little bit with Camacho being on the sidelines. Uh Feargo Lynch has not ridden a ton this year, but but it was won a lot of races over the years in Maryland. Doesn't run a lot for Brown, but but I was kind of interested to see that that he's was the one that's named to ride this uh this filly in this race. Just a little surprised looking at the you know, Manny Franco rode this horse to victory in her maiden race. Uh Dylan Davis rode her in the Busanda. Both are riding at Saratoga. I, I'm you know, and again, I know they, they certainly could be on a horse. They might be really high on over there, but but a little surprised that that neither of them would come down to Monmouth to ride a favorite in a two hundred fifty thousand dollars race. Yeah, good, so good. Yeah. just a little suspect as to you know, and, and again, you know, he Lynch is not ridden at this track, and he's going to have to score from a difficult post position. You know, with that first turn coming up pretty quick in the mile and sixteenth race. Excellent uh, stuff. I'll come here with her in, on the B-line. Yeah, good stuff just
0: generally in that race. Very, very thorough and excited to, to check it out and see how it all plays out on paper. One more race. We're running out of time, but we will quickly get to this two-year-old maiden claiming 40 for five furlongs that closes out the Mammoth card on Saturday. Got some years got some exposed form. How are you
3: going to pick it? Uh, I'm going to play the utopia rose for Chuck Spina, uh, on top of maiden special way dropping into maiden claiming company. I, you know, these are the kind of horses that, that he seems to won win with, uh, with his two-year-olds after they get a few races of foundation in them. And, and then they kind of wind up finding themselves just being more fit and better than just you know, some of the other horses they're up against. I think the dropping class makes sense. Uh, you know, Spina has a good record going from maiden special to maiden claiming, uh, th- 33 for his last eight. Um, I, I just think the source is the right horse in the right spot. I, I do want some coverage. here. are going to put uh, our fashionably late, uh, the, the only runner with race experience that has shown any kind of early speed. Now you know, she, she folded badly with uh, weaker maiden claimers last time out. Gerald Bennett's horses do improve second time out. Uh, Samuel Marin has been riding very well right there. He's going to get the mount that he's. They win. Uh, Bennett and Marin win in a 24% clip together. Uh, and then I'm also going to put the, one of the firsters in there. Full Moon Magic uh, drawing from the rail, so I think Frankie Pennington's going to be forced to go early with this one. So, so she may wind up battling with our fashionably late. Works are solid. Uh, you, you know the it's uh, she's coming from uh, JT Services Barn. He's he's been able to you know win with a maiden claiming horse on debut in the past. And then on deeper tickets, I'll cover with the uh, Delaware Invader coming in for Amir Chachalki uh, Emirati on the outside. Kind of good race, bad race patterns. So, so she's got to prove that she can, you know, follow up one of her better efforts with a, another decent effort. She is dropping in class uh, after that race at Delaware. Um, ha- hasn't shown a t- shown speed at times. So she's just kind of up and down form. Just kind of a horse that, that with, with, you know, five races of experience already under her belt, just in a race like this, do want to be covered with. Although yep. I might try and beat her vertically, especially if the price gets a little too low.
0: More as a B I'm gonna I'm gonna list in the notes for in the money plus uh, you can get all of Eric's Monmouth plays including uh, A's and B's written out like that for free in the moneypodcast.com of course the grid picks that we do for all the stuff on the shows uh, you can get that in the moneypodcast.com slash plus Eric thank you for your time today look forward to having you back soon my pleasure good to talk to you Pete next up on the show we bring in the man we always like to talk about about all things woodbine you've seen him this year on Horse Player Happy Hour, we gave him yesterday off, but uh, he'll be back on there very soon. He'll be in Saratoga very soon—a visit I'm very exciting excited for. From In the Money Media, he is also your reigning Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion. He's Drew Bodney. Drew, how are things?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm I'm very eager to see the preview of the Chef damn Spitz. <laughs> at the- menu that we'll be doing I, I've, I've been telling nancy it's not just going to be uh broccoli and uh broccoli and some dried up tr- chicken breast so <laughs> we're uh, we're pretty excited about it maybe you can help me consult it's a tricky it's
0: a little bit of a tricky crowd to figure out uh, how to feed them but we'll uh we'll 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 do we'll do that production meeting outside the show because we only have just a few minutes here to talk about this woodbine pick four on saturday breaking news drew I think I'm going, I think I'm going to go to the King's plate in just a couple of weeks time. Um, I just, I've been away from Woodbine too long. It's such a big weekend the preview got me excited last week all that great stakes racing on Sunday which I'm sure you got yourself involved in and and yeah I think this is gonna be I think I'm gonna make it happen man um, really really pumped been really pleased with what's been going on north of the border a little bit lighter in terms of uh, stakes action this weekend after all the stuff last weekend but we start off with uh, with an interesting looking maiden special weight race you have a strong opinion in here
2: Yeah, so race seven, I did have a strong opinion here. Um, I did like the number seven perhaps tonight. I tried to really figure out a way to fade this horse, and I believe it's a handicap is where we're starting and not a maiden race. That was my pause on this. Uh, handicap going eight furlongs on the inner turf. Yeah, that
0: was my bad. That was a host fail. I had Friday's. I have it all scrambled in my head. I'm looking at Woodbine this afternoon too, because I'll be over there at Saratoga. And I was telling you about the. I, I introed the Friday maiden race. Wait, I just need a little more coffee. But thank you for uh, thank you for saving me. Yes, this is a starter allowance for Phillies and Mares going a mile on the inner turf. And this perhaps tonight is your big favorite going now off the claim for for Drexler. Another very positive angle that makes her hard to look past in, in, entirely. Um, do you love me? Also going to be in the market on this one. Maybe trying to take him from gate to wire, but not going to be necessarily easy with other, other pace signed on. Uh, but, yeah, so good, I'll let you – now that I've given you some time to get uh, caught up after my host fail, w-
2: are you with or against this perhaps tonight? I really tried to fade perhaps tonight because I, you dig through uh, Martin Drexler's stats – that, first off the claim stat, really holds up for all weather. And when you go back over to the turf, it drops down to 18% with a negative ROI. But then you filter into like less than 2 to 1, which I think this horse is going to go off at evens. He's won uh, 2 out of 5 with a positive ROI. So uh, I'm going to stick with perhaps tonight. I think if you can get evens on this horse, it's a great price. I'm hoping that, that uh, Flores doesn't drop way, way out of it. The last two events, this runner has really had to close into some blue fractions. So either it, it doesn't look like the pace is going to heat up that much. There There is a couple speed horses in here. But, again, I want to see perhaps tonight uh, wide two or three lengths off and make that one big run late. Um, I, I really couldn't back Do You Love Me at 5-2. to two. Uh, Yeah, speed horse, but is really going to have to jump up in class here against uh, perhaps tonight and is uh, shipping in. So really don't know how the Woodbine figures are going to hold up when this one sees that surface. So number seven, perhaps tonight for me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think there's enough speed. I mean, time form has it coded fast. Do you love me? Should set it up well enough. And I think others will go this being the inner and the normal inner profile. Uh, I I'm prop, I'm guessing perhaps tonight, maybe a little farther back than you're guessing, but I think we're both seeing the same thing. This is the best closer in the race and it ain't close I'm going to start things off there, maybe playing a double. There is stake section today again. Me saying that was a result of my looking at the Friday card instead of the Saturday card. We've got the Grade Two Seagram Cup on the synth going a mile and a sixteenth. I uh, will will raise a glass to my my grandfather, who was the brand manager for Seagrams for many years, working with the likes of uh, Four Roses when they were in their portfolio and Chivas Regal. I'll get a chance to mention, I got a chance on the recent Scotland trip to go to the home of Chivas Regal uh, Strathila up there in the Scottish Highlands. But this Seagram Cup has a field of six and a two to five favorite on the morning line in the form of Tyson. I was having trouble seeing how this one was going to get beat. Can you
2: make me a case? I sure can. Go back and watch that uh, Dominion Day Stakes it was rain, it was terrible, and this one clunked up to get it done, All, albeit earned a huge figure, but needed the full nine furlongs. Today is going to go uh, a half panel less, and I'm going with the number five, Carruthers, at eight to one. It was way in the hot pace last time, although Timeform doesn't have it rated as red. Um, I just don't think this one really wanted all of that pace. It made a huge, huge move as well, just dueling the entire way around. Um, So today I'm, I'm expecting this one to be forwardly placed, build off of that Eclipse stakes race where Carruthers ran in front of Tyson and get the job done. I think there's a lot of improvement. These two ran exactly the same time form U.S. figure with the Dominion Day stakes versus the Eclipse, Dominion being with Tyson, Carruthers, being with the Eclipse at a 120. And I just think the eight and a half furlong sets up perfectly for Carruthers here, which is going to be a gargantuan price compared to what you're going to get on Tyson. And I also want to use, if I'm going to be fading the big favorite, I'm also going to use the number six, King Max, three to one import coming from Monmouth, two perfect races, and then a Euro campaign in 2022 that had a lot of good figures. When I see anything above a hundred, um it, it makes me look a little deeper and I think King Max might be able to upset as well here changing over to the all weather for the first time domestically so two horses for me the five and the six and I'm fading the four trying to trying to get paid very good
0: case against the favorite and yeah when you look at it last time they met each other Carruthers finishing ahead of Tyson and I do agree with your flow move up case on Carruthers as well Timeform might not have it coded fast, but you look at those pace figures, and they were uh, a bit unsustainable, to say the least, so uh that that you know that we'll, we'll see what happens in the in the rubber match as it were between these two but Carruthers definitely with an excuse last time and King Max does have that solid group two form from overseas we'll be oppo there I'll stick with the favorite against your two just for fun but I I do definitely uh think your approach is might, might be the shrewder one let's put it that way let's look at this allowance race that goes as the ninth Phillies and mares a mile and a 16th on the
2: inner turf Drew we'll keep it with you yeah, I'm going to go with the number three devil's Bit at three to one. Uh, third start for the 23 campaign came in on deep debut with a jump up in figure stocking the pace and closing up and uh, excuse you. Uh, and then comes into the Nassau two back to try and top some really good horses of Moira and Fev Rover um, and made a big early move around that. Uh, far turn to come up just a bit flat with a non finish effort. So today should get a much easier trip with a limited speed side on, and I think can really build off that debut effort in the Nassau as well. And then I'll also be using the number five Taurus at five to two. Looks to be the speed of the race and can really get away with it on the front end. Last out, looked to be a short horse coming up that long layoff. So in Cassie's hands, I trust. So three five for me in this event, and I will be fading buttered toast. Ten ways to Sunday. Um, Six to one is criminal. Should be, I think, relisted at 20 to one. Got a perfect setup in that last race. So I'm still sticking with the three and the five. I'm with
0: you with Devil's Bit. Looked like the early move into the fast pace last time. Coming back third race off the layoff. I think this little bit of extra ground won't be a bad thing with a little bit more of a hold-up ride and getting back to the win rider. Emma Wilson as well so we'll, we'll be we can win uh, we can potentially win together there in the uh, ninth race at Woodbine which brings us to our nightcap we're back on the synthetic for these $15,000 claimers we're going seven furlongs we have a nice field of 11 going postward for those playing any of the late picks at
2: Woodbine on Saturday Drew how are we getting paid It is a tough tough race you could go a lot of different directions I've got to narrow down to four I'm going with the top two that are uh, not too creative. The number 10, Muskoka Giant, 3-1. to one. I feel like we've been talking about that horse for a while. Yep. I believe an eight-year-old. Um, second off the bench, best figure, should be able to win if it gets back to form. Uh, the number eight, collaborative at 4-1, to one, a drop in class, and should be pressing that pace, looks to have a little bit of finish. And then I'm going to use two longer shots, the 11 moon quest at 12 to one absolutely terrible break in the last out jumped in where then got pinched and lose the last chance um two back i like that race wide and kept grinding up so maybe moon quest at a big price could be overlooked and then the number one uh nicky newts at uh another dropper um switches back to the all weather where there's been some decent form and has speed and I don't know, could step forward. You really got. To get, you have to get creative in this race because this is a tough one. Full field, a lot of volatility.
0: I was going with some of the yeah, horses we talked about before. I have your same top two just in the other order. I went with collaborative over Muskoka Giant. Not much to add, really. Muskoka Giant facing this uh, – New low level that's such a big angle in these type of races and collaborative with uh, Emma Jane once again, I thought would would trip out very, very well. And I just think fits really well at this at this level and the synth shouldn't offer much difficulty either just one for 13 but i was thinking collaborative had a chance to get it done and might just be uh, a bit of a significantly better price than Muskoka giant but i want both of them here to close things out at woodbine on saturday lots more woodbine chatter to come in the next few weeks won't be long now till we are at uh, king's plate day encourage people to make your own travel plans to come up to toronto i think it's going to be special any chance
2: we'll see you there I don't think so. We need to get a contest, the Wood by Mile contest going again. So we'll put a, a bug in their ear to get that going and uh, maybe can justify the trip up that way.
0: That's a great idea. And as I always say for Wood by Mile, one of the easier ones to sell to the non racing partners in our lives because it's also the Toronto Film Festival. So there's so much stuff going on. And Toronto in the fall is just beautiful anyway, and it's such a great international eating and drinking city. Make your plans. Get up to Woodbine in the two best weekends. A lot of, no weekend is a bad weekend to go, but the two best, definitely. Kings Plate and Woodbine Mile. I might do the double. I'm going to see how the calendar shakes out and, and try to get them both in there this year. Woodbine Mile a little early, which is not a bad thing, given the, uh, some of the other fun stuff I have planned in the fall. Drew, I know you got to get out of here. Um, and uh, we are at the end of our time. So I'll thank you. I'll thank the rest of today's guests as well, Frank Scatoni, Gary Fenton, Matthew DeSantis, our founding partners, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Check out their calendar of events for August and join us, trfinc.org slash players for that. And of course, 10 Strike Racing been great we have a little 10 strike racing table uh 10 strike racing sign on the table we've been sitting in in the stretch boxes we got to get a little matching in the money media sign i don't know how who i talked to about that i'll get that figured out but been great hanging out with uh those that root for the purple and black the last few days most of all though i want to thank all of you the listeners for making these shows so much fun to do from in the money media i'm peter thomas fornital may you win all your photos